Well, good morning, and uh, Sal, we're back again for uh, another episode. Sal Sama and uh, Ryan Priest with the High Ground Powered by Premier Companies podcast. And uh, thrilled today to have a special guest with us joining in via Zoom from beautiful Minneapolis, Minnesota. And uh, we have Brett Bruggeman with us today from Land Lake. So, Brett, thank you very much for participating in our uh, in our podcast. We're pretty new at this, so uh, so thank you for donating your time to us and uh, and giving us your expertise on a few questions that we have about Land Lakes and some things that are affecting not only us on the local level but uh, but you as well. So, uh, give us a little introduction to yourself. And again, thank you for coming. You bet. Thanks, Ryan and Sal, for the opportunity. Uh, it means a ton uh, to get to be part of our your go-to-market strategy and your business, and and obviously you own us. So it's a it's a pleasure and it's an honor. Um, my background's pretty boring. Um, you know, grew up in a farm in Iowa, and um, we still run that operation. And and uh, but I'm not as handy as my brother-in-laws would say. And so I'm doing what I'm doing and, and they're doing what they're doing. Um, Kelly and I have been married 30 years. We have four kids. And I spent about half of my career, Ryan and Cell, in the manufacturing side with BSF, Cyanamid actually, and then BSF bought them. And then I spent about half of my career in the in the system and um, love both both tours of duty and um, so much to do and so much to learn still today. Um, but my background has been pretty much all egg business and, and that type of stuff. So just feel very, uh, very fortunate. It's been good to us. Well, thank you again for being here. Well, good. Uh, Brett, when we think about uh, Land Lakes, can you tell us a little bit about the history of Land Lakes and how, um, I guess, how it came to be and what it looked, what it looks like today? Yeah, the story, Sal, is is pretty amazing story. And, you know, it actually you hit a milestone 100 years back in yeah. 1921 is when it when it started. And so perfect timing. And, and back then, I would say, you know, the the egg landscape was made up of a lot more smaller farms, obviously. But this in particular was built from the dairy side of the business. And it was built on on a bunch of farmers saying, hey, you know, I'd really like to aggregate supply and have a market and what they found is taking their milk they found a a recipe to make a high quality butter um, from sweet cream versus the norm of sour cream and so that's what started it all and um and i would tell you you know we're east coast to west coast and now um in many countries around the world, uh, particularly with WinFit United, but but also with our Perina feed business, um, and we're divided into four four business units. So you know, when my dad was still living, he'd say, "Well, tell me tell me what Land Lakes does." Um, I love the brand, but tell me what it does. And and I would say, you know, we're everything about improving the nutrition of people, plants, and animals. The people side is our dairy foods business. The animals is our Perina business. And the plant side is Winfield United. And then we've added uh, improving the quality is what I would call it, which is Truterra. And so those four business units are, are made up of Lando Lakes. And, you know, with price appreciation um, and a lot of great support from our, our retail owners and producers, we'll be somewhere north of 15 billion this year. So it's ironic. I think we'll, we'll have a pretty darn good year. I won't say a record year to, to jinx us. But it's all because of our, our reverse ownership, or I should say our, our retail owners and our producers. So 
Um, that's a little bit about who we are. We're very much a value driven. Uh, you know, we have a fair amount of commodities, right? We, we have to make sure we're competitive on the bread and milk, but we really love to deliver value um, to make sure that that we bring differential opportunities, whether it be on digital or proprietary products or total acre products. And that's kind of the, the DNA of our, our culture, value add innovation. I'll tell you, it's a, that is a neat, that's a wonderful landmark, a hundred years. And then what, what about the makeup of, of Land of Lakes? I mean, we, I like the way you explained that with, with the improvement and, and, and whatever, but it's Land of Lakes is a lot more than butter isn't it i mean that's the that's what everyone thinks about but uh you know when we say we're a part of land of lakes they think about the butter component which is which is uh obviously you know that's how they built the company initially it was a better a better uh, recipe i guess but what's yeah. the how's this land of lakes what what components I mean, how does ag fit into that well, so let's start there at the butter and, and you hit right on it. Um, you know, I would call that more of a, a marketing cooperative, right? But sure. where Beth and her vision of taking this is is to be a true supply and marketing cooperative across the enterprise. And um, it just gives us an opportunity in ag um, to have a differential position, but I'll first start a little bit about on the, on the dairy side. Um, we have somewhere, somewhere between 1600 or right around 1600 direct dairies. Now, the great thing about our model is, um, you know, they're as small as 50 cows and as large as 10,000 cows. Um, and like I said, they kind of go or they do go East coast to West coast. So it's a very diversified, uh, business there on the egg side. Um, that business this year will be uh, a nice chunk, somewhere north of $7.5 billion of, of crop inputs. Um, and that's made up of about 800 retail owners. So, you know, people think about Land O'Lakes. We are farmer-owned on the producer side. We're also retailer-owned. Um, and we have about 800 what we would call bill-twos. Um, and, and I would say that number is consolidating. It's probably about as busy it's ever been with mergers and acquisitions right now on the retail side. Um, so we expect both of those areas um, to, to basically consolidate along with the grower side in the future. And then the third area with Purina, I think they serve, uh, again, in a lot of cases of those 800 retailers, probably about um, 400 of them sell feed. But then on top of that, they, they serve about 400,000 farmers and ranchers. And so, you know, they serve a business that's livestock, obviously the, the large cattle and hogs, uh, but then also lifestyle, which we have a huge horse business and, and um, you know, backyard flock and things that probably were really hot and popular pre-COVID, during COVID, post-COVID, we'll see how long it takes, but it's a really diversified business. Um, and how it makes money and those types of things. A lot of people, um, you know, think of it like you said, Sal, as a as a butter company, but it's a total egg company um, with a lot of reaches. And here's the last thing I would say: with a lot of reaches um, to areas like Washington D.C., um, they're looking for a voice. We're less than two percent of the population. And again, it's been one of the, the hallmarks of our brand is to make sure that we represent small and large 
because the the national voice for national issues is so important when we think about the farm bill, we think about broadband and, and all those things. So that's what kind of makes up our membership. Truterra has, I think, 35 retailers, a very segmented, targeted approach around this soil health, soil assessment piece. Um, and uh, and I, I think that probably pretty good overview but hit me if there's anything else oh, selling sure is so that was great uh, i will back you up just a minute you mentioned beth earlier mentioning uh, uh referring to beth ford your ceo so i had a question uh you know as your governance and your management uh goes and the vision that they have can you tell us just a little bit as a cooperative you're governed by a board of directors uh, give us just a little bit of, of a breakout of how many directors do you have? What do they represent as far as your breakout of businesses? How, do, how are they represented on the board of directors with your decision makers, as well as the guidance that you're getting from, from Beth? Because she has been out there. I, I had so many non-farm people call me after the 60-minute interview that were just so impressed with, uh, with the company and the, the way that it was presented. Uh, so we're, as a cooperative ourselves, we are very thankful for that. No, I appreciate that, Ryan. And yeah, she, um, you know, she comes from a big oil industry background, right? So it's nice to have that type of diversity thinking and and just understand that side of the business. But at the same time, she is passionate about our ownership and has um, carried that message in a way that I think um, helps represent, you know, the true level of our community importance. And, and so to get to your question, we're made up of 11 directors from the ag regions. Um, and that includes both retail um, and farmers from the ag side, and then nine from the dairy regions, which are direct dairy farmer uh, co-op or members. So a total of 20 uh, to represent us across the, the US. Um, and you know that was, um, I think 24 here a few years back so she's worked on making sure that we get that um that governance in a place that's manageable but also representative of of all the different geographies and businesses well thank you i appreciate that so before we before we started taping before we started uh, actually recording we were having a casual conversation and supply chain is in the forefront of everyone's mind so um, we'll get to how you're taking care of your members uh, later, but uh, how globally, nationally, give us an overview of what you see going on with the supply chain. We talked about trucking, and we know trucking is affecting us uh, locally. What do you see uh, from a global, national standpoint uh, from a supply chain? Yeah, great, great question. And, and I think it's one of those areas I was actually on with Autumn Price, our um, D.C. government affairs person earlier today and she was talking about you know how messy it is right now and and it is messy but i would tell you i think it could be so much more messier um i think being part of something bigger and sharing the market intel that you have at field um ryan and sal and what we're hearing whether it's in china or india and putting those together is is critical so market intel right now i think is gold um, and, and I would tell you a couple things. It's not just our industry, obviously, when you when you hear about it. But why is there so much pressure on our, on our industry? And it goes back to a couple of three things that we try to talk about. Number one is there's been this reverse relationship the last two to three seasons where the egg industry was carrying a lot of inventory 
Um, and they were carrying a lot of inventory during all the different mergers and acquisitions. And it was one of those things where, you know, the market was pretty steady. But then about two years ago, the market started to, to nosedive, 2018, 2019, and people started reducing um, their inventory levels. And when we say reducing their inventory levels, we think as much as 50%. So let's say you had a working relation, uh, inventory at retail as large as Premier is. Let's say you're normally carrying 40%. As big as you are and as fast as your grower customers, that might be a number that's pretty normal. Well, that got as low as 20% this past year just because people were working down their inventories. Farmers didn't stop growing and planting as fast as they did. But that's an area that there were fewer pile, fewer bigger piles. The second thing is, is there were a lot less, um, what I would say, stockpiles of post-patent products coming in. When the tariffs came back, uh, came in in 2018, you could see the import records really slow off, uh, slow up or taper off. And, you know, the, the post-patent business isn't a big business. Some people will say it's 25 to 35 percent of the total egg chem market, but it's a big enough business where let's say that's cut in half, then you have another another crunch on it. Here's the third thing, and a lot of people don't uh, probably realize this, is the U.S. business is not the most profitable business for the manufacturers anymore. When I was at BSF, it was pretty clear. North America was the largest business. It was also the most profitable business because of a lot of regulatory things, because of supply chain that you just mentioned, Ryan. Um, the manufacturer has a choice now. And if you look at what's happening in Brazil, planting 100 million acres of soybeans, um, they make a choice. Do I send my excess stuff to Brazil or do I send it to the U.S.? And um, that's put another crunch on it. And so when you put all those things together on top of COVID, because this trucking thing is real, um, you, and let me give you some numbers on the trucking piece. We were That's what we were talking, Ryan was referencing. I have a, a, a group of guys I meet with on Friday <clears throat> once a month and and one of them happens to own the largest trucking company, I think, in the Midwest, but for sure in Minnesota. And we were talking about the crunch on trucking. And he said, you know, a lot of people blame COVID. But he said, you know, the Amazon uh, press is, is there. The COVID press is there. But DOT compliance is a big deal. And I said, well, how many people, how many truckers are there in the nation? And he said two million, roughly two million. And his estimate is that 200,000 truckers left with the new DOT, DOT compliance of, of drug and alcohol compliance, which is probably a good thing. I mean, you, you don't like that, but safety is one thing. And then we talked about this COVID policy and their estimate is another 200,000 will come off the road if there's some sort of a, a the mandate, you know, that people are talking about now. It's still a little gray, but so when you put that all together, the question, and I know it's a long answer, do we think supply chain is going to get better anytime soon? The answer is no, um, it's not. I think it's going to make us better at forecasting and some of those things. But um, the current situation is tight and it's a mess. I'll, I'll just stop there, Ryan, and then maybe let you guys ask anything else in particular. Well, Brett, I guess that kind of brings us full circle on on uh – on why a cooperative because um you know one of the things we're telling growers today is that this is a 2022 is a really good time to have been a customer of premier ag 
just for uh, sourcing products and and uh, you know trying to manage through supply shortages and and I guess so tell us tell us what Land of Lakes and Winfield United is doing uh, to make sure our members are are uh, are covered and and uh, to kind of ease some of the turbulence as we go through this supply disruptions of 2022 and possibly in 2023. Yeah, Sal, you, you set a mouthful. In, in Premier, having the Premier base of business um, is, is large because I will tell you um, it's not everything, but having the history of your growth pattern, um, manufacturers, we have 450 products on allocation right now. Um, wow. So, right? Every day, every day, new products pop on. And the last thing you want to do is not feed the horse like Premier. <laughs> you got to make sure that that they get the product at the right time, the right place, et cetera. So um, the base is the first fundamental step. And those that flip back and forth and, and maybe not have that type of predictability are, are not in the same position, Sal. So your positioning is spot on. The second thing that I think is important is, and this is making us better, we built a distribution business on hustle. And when I say hustle, I remember next day, same day was the mantra. You know, those yeah. who got the product there, right? The fastest one. And, and we still think hustle is really important, but we want to put hustle on the front side, not the back side. And the great thing about Lando Lakes is we have a supply chain that goes across all the different businesses. And it's our job as Winfield United to make sure that we have a business strategy that benefits our retail owners like Premier. But think about the amount of resources that Lando Lakes can source additional trucks, additional truck drivers, additional, you name it, because we are hauling food, we are hauling feed. Um, it gives us that, that larger network. What we've done specifically to answer your question, Sal, is we've gone to structured delivery. And so instead of next day, same day, and we actually started this back in 2000, I shouldn't say we started we moved up our supply chain almost now two years ago today. Uh, when we started hearing about COVID, it was January or February of 2019. And we said, listen, let's move everything up 90 days. Uh, we don't want to carry the extra inventory, but it's pretty hard. You, you have one time to hit the crop. Let's do that. Then the second thing we went to last year was structured delivery. And I would tell you there was a lot of angst. Um, and we didn't have it all figured out and we still don't have it all figured out. But what we did is we looked at the data and the data told us we had a lot of trucks bouncing down the road that weren't full. And the reality is, is if we sat down and planned with our retail owners, we could do a much better job of a customer experience with them and they could do it with their, with their grower customer. And, and so we had a different level of accountability. Instead of same day, next day, we said, let's look at the data. These are the two days this week. We want to have what we would call a structured delivery. Um, and because of that, Sal, we had 42% less deliveries in 2021, and we sold a record amount of product. Now, wow. right? That doesn't just happen. A lot of people touching it, and I don't know what that'll look like next year. But we want to put those dollars back into our retail owners, either with patronage or an investment in 
digital or whatever is the right way to say it, but we don't want to buy tires. <laughs> and we, <laughs> right. We want, we want to put it in innovation and in our technology and talent. So um, that's what we're doing. And, and I would say what we want to work on is getting that even better, but that's only one spot in supply chain. We haven't even started talking about storage. We haven't even started talking about how we work with manufacturers up through um i see us touching product three or four extra times because traditionally that's the way we used to do it and i don't think there's margin and because of inflation we're going to have to change that so um a lot of people say supply chain's not sexy <laughs> supply chain is pretty sexy right now <laughs> well just the uh... I tell you what, efficiency always wins. And just to to try to drive out the uh, cost whenever you're gaining efficiency, and and that's amazing to do uh, to do more volume with forty forty two percent less stops. And uh, it just stands to reason that full trucks are more economical and efficient than than uh, half empty ones. And I know it's uh, takes some more work, but I like the idea of, of of putting that effort in the place where you get the highest return. Yeah. And- and I tell you, we can't do it without you, uh, Sal and Ryan. And here's the thing that I think um, my son's in retail and this weekend. We were talking about, um, you know, how retail has changed, right? Your customers getting bigger and it's they're planting more. And I, the thing that we have to figure out is how do we help that grower forecast? And, and you have, because if there was ever a time to have that value there, um, we want to assist you, meaning we want to assist Premier in the best way to do that. It takes extra time. It takes extra touch, but we think it's it's well worth that. Well, no, we appreciate the efforts because it's not uh, this is not a pleasant time to to be thinking about products and to to go and, and give that level of assurity to our growers and our customers as they're trying to plan for something that's not going to happen now for four or five months um, and they know that even in the near term the products that they need right now are somewhat in short supply you hear them talk about grain cart tires that they're four in the nation when they source them and the price has gone up 50 60 percent on things like that it, it's for us to help give them some assurance that that these things are going to be manageable come the time when your seed hits the ground and, and we do this again. So uh, we feel the pain now, but there's something to mitigating their worries and concerns as we go into next spring. So, you know, you know Ryan, it's a, you know, we both, both of us were in a different meeting before we came in here into our, uh, the podcast room, I guess we we're, we're, <laughs> we're naming it, uh, Brad, but we were, I mean, it's, it's just fun at premier ag. It's a challenge, but yet, I mean, you're working with people that are, we're we're trying to already develop plans B and C and D and and having uh, backup plans to our backup plans and how we're going to get through 2022. So it's a lot of uh, it's making us think differently than we've uh, thought in, in the traditional and I, and uh, trying to hustle on the on the backside and try not to put ourselves in a position where we're we're scrambling in 2022 without a plan that we've already put together already. It's great. It's a great point. I, it'll make us better. And to your point, I think the thing with Premier that always impresses me is 
you never stand still, but you're, you're right. You're always looking at plan B, but you're always externally focused. And that entire leadership team being external, externally focused, I think is going to pay huge, huge dividends and planning and scrimmaging out the plan B pieces. Um, because before there used to be plenty of, plenty of supply and you didn't have to do some of those things, but today's new world. And I think going forward, you're exactly right. Most of this supply chain piece, we thought by this time a year ago, we wouldn't feel the pain. And I would tell you, although we've had more inventory already being pulled for 2022, right? More than we've ever had. Um, we also know this, it's still not at the levels that it was three or four years ago. And, and so you look at that and then you look at the life cycle of some of these molecules that have to be produced. Um, it's, it's going to be tight all through 22 and, and to your point, Sal, maybe even 2023. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the land of plenty. Is, uh, it's, it feels troublesome right now. So, so well, thank you very much to be respectful of your time. We are so thankful for your insight and, um, and the valuable information that you brought us and our members and, and all of those who are viewing. We are hoping to reach as many people who don't do business with us as, as do and uh, advocating for this business that has been so good to each of us. And I, I think we go back to that. There's such a small percentage of people who are involved in agriculture, but such a high percentage of people who are dependent on it, that it's imperative that, that folks like you can, to deliver this kind of message to us and that we can help get it to, to the end user even more and on your behalf as well as ours. So, Sal, you got any other questions for Brett? No, Brett, thanks for joining us at uh, the high ground. Uh, powered by premier companies and and uh, one of our first podcasts and uh, just think how good we'll be after about 20 or 30 of them. right right we'll get you back when we know what we're doing yeah <laughs> we love that and we appreciate the opportunity i think you guys have it, it doesn't feel like number one or number two or three it feels down the road so you got a you got a nice recipe well we actually and plus we we had to work through some hecklers that were coming through as we were on the you couldn't see them ryan you, we had, we had some i saw a couple i saw peeking into the sound room one, yeah. one of them one of them is our uh, our fearless leader so, <laughs> uh, so yeah well thank you again and if you'd hold on the line for just a minute uh, i got a couple questions for you so thank you, you